Dr. Michael Youssef, introducing this episode of Leading the Way Audio. Every moment of every day, there are unseen battles being fought over your head. Satan wants to keep us in ignorance about him and about the Word of God. And yet the angels of light often work to fight off his attack on the children of the living God in that unseen spiritual battle. Psalm 91.11 says, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Up next, explore the mission and the workflow of Satan and his demons. Knowing that this will better equip you for the spiritual battles you'll encounter in life. This episode of Leading the Way is part of Dr. Michael Youssef's fascinating series called The Invisible War. Listen with me as Dr. Youssef begins. I want to give you very quickly, very quickly, it won't take very long, five things that you need to know about the angelic realm and about angels. I'm going to explain how Satan stole that structure, the command structure, and copied it. But I'm going to start with angels. I like to go for the real thing first. First of all, angels have individual personalities. Some of the higher-ups in the chain of commands in the angelic realm have names like Gabriel and Michael. Angels not only have individual personalities, but they have their own intellect, they have their own feelings, and they have free will. And that is why one-third of them chose to follow Satan. They have different functions. They serve different functions. But primarily, they are to execute the will of God. They implement the plan of God in the lives of those who have submitted their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Secondly, angels live forever. The same Gabriel, who appeared to Daniel 400 years later, he appeared to Mary, the Virgin Mary. They are not bound by human time or space. Why? Because angels in the angelic realm do not get depleted by death. And Jesus tells us, when somebody came to him and asked him the question about marriage in heaven, and so I said, Mary, you know, in heaven there's no marriage. He said, we'd be like angels. So people took the idea was that when we die, we become angels. That's not what he's talking about at all. When Jesus said like angels, meaning that we're not going to have physical limitation, we're not going to have limitation of time or space or death, that we too will live forever. The third thing you need to know about angels is that they have bodies. They're not like ours, but it has a form, a physical form. Daniel in 8.15, he said, And behold, there stood before me one having the appearance. Don't miss that. That's an important word. The appearance of a man. The appearance. Not a man, not like us, but appearance. Why? Because these celestial bodies are totally unlike us. It is different kind of a body. It is designed for different kind of rules, and it works according to different realms. But like 
Our bodies, they have a form, they have a likeness, they have weight, and they're capable of much more. You see, we see the Lord Jesus was clothed with such a body after the resurrection, and you notice He was in Galilee, and then He's in Jerusalem. Within seconds, He's different places elsewhere. Celestial bodies also travel great distance with lightning speed. Daniel describes the angel in Daniel chapter 10, verse 6. He said, his body like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, uh, his arms and legs like a gleam of brandished bronze, and his voice like the sound of multitudes. The fourth thing you need to know about angel is that they were created first. Before the earth, before the earth was created, before humanity was created, God created the angels first. Then the earth. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. By Him all things were created that are in heaven first, then on earth. Those who say that if I cannot see it, it does not exist, are going to have egg all over their face when God finally unveiled the invisible world to everyone to see. Again, Colossians 16, notice the words there. He defines the angelic hierarchy. The thrones first, the highest. Dominions, second. Principalities, third. Powers, fourth. Now, these are ranking order. Powers are those angelic foot soldiers that they come and to minister and protect the believers. Now, I'm going to come back to those four ranks because it's important to explain to you how Satan copied those same four ranks. At the top, you notice the throne. That is the throne of God. And he uses them He uses his command, his chain of command, to execute his will, to administer his universe. He does so by these ranking angels. And that is why the Bible often refers to the Lord God as the Lord of hosts. There is untold million numbers of them. We don't know. It could be in the billions or trillions. He is the commander-in-chief of countless angelic beings. At His Word, the whole army of angels move with power and great glory. At His command, vast numbers of angelic beings obey. Why do you think when Pontius Pilate thought that he has power over Jesus, he said, no, you don't. (laughs) I can call on my Father, and He can send me legions of angels and deliver me. But I came for this. I came for the cross. I could ask the Father to send the angel to deliver, but no, I am not doing this because I came to die for sinners. And we get intimidated by teeny-weeny brain politician. (laughs) And our Lord is the Lord of hosts. He's the commander of all the hosts, Lord of hosts. Beloved, listen to me. 
Our God is the God of power and might. Don't you ever forget that. Our God is the God who commands all of these trillions of angelic ranks, and they move. Our God uses this chain of command. Our God is a God of order, and whenever you see disorder, you know that Satan is behind it. Remember also that our God is not a communist. Our God does not operate on equality. Our God is not Marxist. He has chain of command. Everybody has a different role to play. Fifthly, angels have a specific task. Each have a specific task. There are no two angels alike, and there are no two angels' jobs are alike. Each angel has his own task and mission to protect and preserve and minister to the elect of God until our time is done. And as we know from the story of Lazarus and the rich man, the angels were curious all the way to the presence of Jesus in glory. Now, beloved, listen to me. Every moment of every day, there are unseen battles being fought over your head. Satan wants to keep us in ignorance about him and about the Word of God, and yet the angels of light often work to fight off his attack on the children of the living God in that unseen spiritual battle. Psalm 91.11 says, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. I don't know about you. That thrills me. That thrills me. That thrills me. I was born nobody, and yet God assigns mighty angels to look after me. How about that? How about that? It can be something greater. He assigned them to counter my foolishness and my ignorance. He assigned them to steer me around the traps that the enemy has been setting up for each one of us all the time. Look carefully through the Scripture, and you see God deliberately was showing us examples of how these angels work so that we be encouraged, that we would be comforted, that we would live in faith and power and strength. In Acts chapter 5, verse 19, angel comes and opens the door of the prison and the disciples come out. In Acts 12, 7, Herod imprisoned Peter, and he's just not only imprisoned him behind iron doors, he put extra commands, he put extra heavy protection guard around him. But the angel comes in and said, hey, Peter, get up, let's get out of here. <laughs> And he walks straight through all the guards and all the gates and the iron gates. You see, when Satan, as you've been telling you in this series in the last two messages, when Satan tried to topple God, he got thrown out of heaven. He took one-third of the angelic beings with him. You say, well, how come? How come could he really deceive that many? We don't know huge number, one-third, one-third of the end. How could he do this? How could he deceive them? In Revelation 13, 3 and 4, John gives us a picturesque language to describe this. 
He said, the great dragon's tail swept down one-third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Question, how did Satan persuade so many angels, one-third of them? Lucifer offered them all kinds of incentives. He probably offered them promotions and bonuses, a company jet, and a free skiing trip in Saint Moritz. Every rank would have been offered an opportunity or a reward commiserate with their rank. Hear me out, please. Satan does this with millions of people now. Satan's modus operandi is to offer you the world and pay you with trash. He promises you the best, and he pays you with the worst. He promises you pleasure, and he pays you with pain. He promises you profits, and he pays you with losses. He promises you life, and he pays you with the currency of death. He's doing that every single day. Nothing's changed. Nothing changed. He deceived these third of the angelic beings. He continued to deceive people around the world. Countless millions of people throughout the world today still fall for that same old lie. Again and again and again. That's how he persuaded one-third of the angelic beings to follow him. But there are three things that you must know about Satan's stolen, stealing, this command structure from the angelic realm, about this hierarchical structure of heaven. Three things, only three things you need to know. First of all, these enemies' forces still retain their God-given power. When Lucifer was thrown out of heaven, he set up his kingdom and a government system here on earth as he saw being done in heaven. Don't forget, he was Lucifer, the angel of light who served the throne of God. He was right there in the presence of God. He observed closely what's going on in heaven, and he copied those ranks of heaven. And that is why Ephesians 6.12, Ephesians 6.12, mark it down, write it down, read it every day. Read it every day. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, and against the rulers of darkness in this age, against the spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places, meaning in the atmospheric places, not in heaven, but in the atmospheric places. Now compare this passage describing those four ranks to the heavenly ranks that I already shared with you a few minutes ago. Fourfold. They are fourfold. It's not by accident. It's not by accident. They vary in title, but the substance is the same. Four levels of demonic leadership, and Satan is on the top of the pyramid. He's on the top of the pyramid. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you, okay? Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Satan may have lost his innocence when he fell, but he did not lose his intelligence. These fallen angels have their own distinct personalities and characteristics. These are immortal 
and not limited by time and space. The difference is this. They worship Lucifer instead of God. Second thing, second thing you need to know about your enemy's hierarchical structure. Satan has an assigned agent on your case. Satan cannot be everywhere at once. He cannot be at your house and in my house all at the same time. No. So what does he do? He uses his demons. But there was only one exception. One exception. When Satan showed up in person. I think some of you already got this. Some already know where that was. When he tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He could not leave that to one of his underlings. He had to do that because he wanted to stop Jesus from going to the cross at any cost. So he showed up in person in the wilderness and performed those three temptations. Now we often say, oh, Satan tempt me. Well, not quite. <laughs> it's one of his underlings is tempting us. One of his foot soldiers tempting us. For he himself does not perform the day-to-day -day operations any more than the CEO of Microsoft or any of these corporations answer the phone when you, when you call. <laughs> he leaves the routine temptations to his underlings. Oh, they will try to harass us. Listen to me, believers. He would try to frustrate us. He would try to tempt us. He would try to oppress us. And that is why our fight is not against what? Now, I hate to tell you this, but it's true. <laughs> These demons are conscientious. They are active. They're deeply committed to their task. All these demons do not just sign in at 8 o'clock in the morning, then they clock out at 4.30 in the afternoon. No, 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 no. They're not lazy sitting back, getting their welfare check, and then go home. No, 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 no. These demons are well-disciplined, and they blindly are obedient soldiers to Satan. And that is why we must always, always be vigilant. Must be vigilant. And again, let me stop right here, because I know as soon as you hear the word vigilant, you think that you're supposed to be sitting there and looking around, gritting your teeth. Oh, I've got to be vigilant. I've got to be vigilant. I've got to be... No, 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 no. That's not the Christian faith. Listen to me. I'm going to say more about that in the next message, particularly from the very man I'm going to be quoting here in a minute, because he knows what that vigilance means. But for now, I tell you this. Vigilant means that you invite the Holy Spirit to come in and take residence every single day. You renew His presence in your life. And as the Holy Spirit comes in, He's going to make you alert. He's going to make you vigilant. He's going to be calling upon the angels to protect you. The Holy Spirit will alert you when temptation comes. Vigilant is the alertness to the voice of the Holy Spirit when He says, now watch out for this, watch out for this. That's what vigilance means. Vigilance is not grieving and quenching of the Holy Spirit by disobedience, a life of disobedience, because when you grieve and quench the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to hear His voice. His voice will become so faint as you override the voice of the Holy Spirit. 
again and again and again. That's what vigilant means. As I said, I'm going to say more about that in the next message specifically. Third and the last thing I want to tell you is this. The enemy within. The truth is, there are many church people who allow Satan to use them. The lack of discernment allows Satan to use them. It is the saddest thing in the world when you see professing Christians fraternizing with the enemy. In a regular army, when a soldier fraternizes with the enemy, it's called treason. But how many professing Christians, whether it is deliberately or in ignorance, they serve the enemy's purpose? Think about this with me. The chief apostle, the chief disciple, when Satan was trying to use him to stop the Lord Jesus from going to the cross, what did Jesus say to him in Matthew 16, 22 and 23? God bless you. Was Peter Satan? No. No, he's not. That's why I'm going to tell you what he said in his first epistles, chapter 5, about being vigilant. He knew this. He understood this. He experienced this. Peter was not saying, no, far from it. But at that moment, what he said and did was serving Satan's purpose. Satan was using him to hinder the plan of salvation. No doubt Satan can use any of us, including your pastor, when we're not alert. When we're not alert. He can use any of us when we don't resist Him. He can use any of us when we don't flee from temptation. And that is why I've been saying this in the last two messages. Ignorance of Satan's operation, or non-discerning of the way he operates, and his designs, and his tricks, (laughs) are the biggest gateway in the life of a Christian. Now, I want to leave you with this. Yes, there are millions of demons, but also remember, write it down, mark it, there are two angels for every demon who are deployed for the minister according to the epistle to the Hebrews to ministering to the saints, to ministering to the children of the living God. When you invite the Holy Spirit to strengthen you on a daily basis, sometimes even moment-by-moment basis, when you ask the Holy Spirit to give you victory, He, the Holy Spirit, will send the angels, and they will send the demon packing. Psalm 118, verse 6. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can anyone do to me? Thank you for joining Dr. Michael Youssef for Leading the Way Audio. And if today's content inspired spiritual questions, well, we want to invite you to speak with a Leading the Way pastor or a counselor. And you can start that conversation by filling out a short contact form. Go to ltw.org slash Jesus. The world in which we live in is in trouble. Wars are raging for control of nations. 
and wars are raging for control of lost souls. Would you like to be a part of bringing the truth to the nations and to searching souls? Right now, Friends of Leading the Way are challenging you to join them in giving a generous financial gift to Leading the Way during this month's December Gift Challenge. Stand with Dr. Yusuf and worldwide teams to equip them to take the gospel to the world in 2024 and beyond. Stand with Dr. Youssef today in this month's December Gift Challenge. Get details at ltw.org. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Call us at 866-626-4356. Or you can visit us at ltw.org. That's 866 866- Six two six four three five six and ltw.org. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef.